Okay, so this week we are discussing David Fincher's Mank. Mm-hmm. This is a, f- a biopic about the making of Citizen Kane, widely regarded as one of the, if not the greatest film of all time. Yep. Uh, this film is shot in black and white. It has political undertones. It uh, explores uh, the industry of filmmaking and the politics, quite frankly, of, of filmmaking. This is a film that film buffs will enjoy mm-hmm. and film critics will love. Yes, but mm-hmm. the question is, but is it good? Let's talk about that. All right. But is it good podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hey. Welcome. To episode 12, is it 12? 12. 12. Episode 12, the day that Major League Baseball returns. Yep. That's why we're here. Well, <laughs> technically, Major League Baseball returned yesterday. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Unfortunately, the Braves fell to the Phillies in extra innings. I but baseball it. isn't like other sports where you get like half points. You yeah. know, like in, like in hockey and soccer, if yeah. you get to extra You extra also get time. more than 12 games. You get 150 yeah. So they're okay. Well, ho- both hockey and s- soccer, don't you get more than 12 games? Yes. Everything but football. Football has 17. Football has 17 games. Okay. Used to more, be s- anything more than college football. There's, there's something newsworthy. <laughs> uh, the NFL has expanded their season to 17 games. Really? <clears throat> yeah. Fun fact. But is that's that not, that's not, yes, it is. It's, okay. it's, it's very, like it, it uh, just happened. It was announced like this week. Oh, so, okay. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk no, about. No, we're not. I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're here to talk about movies. 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 Films and cinema. <clears throat> cool, cool, cool. All right. So uh, um, we'll get to that in just a second. But we have, I have a couple things in news. And then I have a, 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 a philosophical question that I want to ask you, Zach. It's time for Hunter Shindig. Yeah. 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 Hunter Shindig. <laughs> All I right. Was, I wasn't even remotely close to on beat. No, it's it's great. <laughs> It was perfect. <laughs> anyway, so the only two things that popped up on my feed, if you will, for news mm-hmm. is um, uh, The Rock's Black Adam got a release date. Yes. Did you see how he announced that? No. I saw a commercial. Um, I was watching some some sporting event. Mm-hmm. And he... So oh, it was it was the it was uh, like the Elite Eight basketball, okay. and he did like a little teaser for Black Adam, and then he said something like, "Not even my superpowers can save you, uh, Chuck." Talking to Charles Barkley because Charles Barkley is a big Auburn fan, but mm. he picked Alabama to go to the Final Four. Oh wow! So <laughs> fun fact: <laughs> I I'm a Georgia Tech fan. Um, yeah, they lost. God help me, and uh, <laughs> they were knocked out in the first round. But hey, they made it. Um, and the women's team made it to the sweet elite eight, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think that is accurate. Yep. Anyway, um, I did go to, to to UGA, so Bulldogs. I'm so I'm so one of you. <laughs> anyway, enough sports. He's wearing so a UGA uh, wearing sweater. My, my uh, University of Georgia Grady College of Journalism and Masscom and mass communication. Do they say Masscom there, or do they call it mass we communication? Just, we just call it Grady. Okay. I was in a program called EMST. Oh, cool. Which is a long, long title, but just being spelled. Sounds like some sort of uh, like paramedic thing. No, it's actually it's Entertainment and Media <laughs> Studies. Entertainment and Media s- EMST. I Entertainment Media Studies to go. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Like they put it in a little. It's it's a long, long title. A little box. It just, it just means you um, get to take it home with you. It just means film, it's film, film. Cool. Program. Anyway, that's what we're here to talk about. Yes. So sorry. So The Rock has been a super big. He's super passionate about Black Adam. He's been trying to get. He was cast in like 2007. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. He's been waiting for this for a long time. Something crazy. He like drunk teased the first. Yeah, he like. The, like <laughs> it wasn't even the first page of the script. It was like, it the, was like the yeah. It's like the mem like the. In memory of, yeah. you know, like in a book, like that page. Yeah. Um, I imagine it's like the first thing you hear in the film. It's like a black screen. Yeah. But he, like, he and his ex-wife have a a a, uh, a production company. His ex-wife manages him and Henry Cavill. Um, he was really? supposed, he was supposed to show up in Shazam, but then they moved it to where he get his own film. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. A lot of rumors about him wanting to get Henry well, Cavill to fight because he want he's called Henry Cavill out yeah. many times. He's like, I, I, I want to fight a Superman. Well. Let's back up just a second. Yep. In Shazam, we see like Black Adam when uh, the wizard. Yep. The wizard is like talking about his history or whatever. The last champion he chose that. Yeah. Out his people ever was Black Adam. Black Adam. I'm gonna put my watch on silent. No, you're fine. And so you're <laughs> anyway, so he's rock. You know, Dwayne Dwayne Johnson is a huge name in Hollywood, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but he apparently, I'm not sure how you do this. I guess you have to rent it. But he bought space on every screen in Times Square. That sounds expensive. And he was in the middle of Times Square, and they all played in sync the reveal of the date. I wish I had... That kind of money? (laughs) Buy out Times Square money. That kind of clout? Yeah. But the long story was last year, Black Adam finally got a release date, and then it it lost it because of COVID. Right. And it was, like, on the, like, uh, on, like... TBD mm-hmm. kind of date for a long time, but now it's set. Yep, they start filming this month actually. Yeah, because it's April. Barring any sort of anything, yep. it will be summer of next year, July 29th, twenty twenty-two. Yeah, so that means that DC DC has the Batman boom in March, Black Adam wow July, uh, the Flash, Flash <gasps> um, one that is, is, and then Aquaman two next year. Mm-hmm. So the other bit of news that I wrote down is uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is good, apparently. I've only seen one episode. Yeah. And it's, it's good so far. But this actually brings me to a question. I'm not sure how it came up in conversation with, with me and you, but you texted me about something. I was probably just... You know how <coughs> there are many times where uh, we're both living our lives, and yes. then I'll just like start angry ranting to you yes. about something? Oh, yeah. It definitely was an angry rant. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah. So Zach brought up this point... And it's really interesting because the film that we're making now, making <laughs> the film that that'd be cool. The film don't that spoil it. <laughs> it's supposed to be a surprise. We're supposed to drop that like Beyonce dropped lemonade. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like oh, here it is. The film that we are reviewing today, um, it's about filmmaking. I know we're kind of going over already, but um, <clears throat> and these movies that we're doing for Best Picture are art pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, which was as Scorsese would say, they're cinema, not content. Yep. But we live in a weird world where, like, the pop culture zeitgeist, if you will, around the movie industry is extremely dominated by almost only one genre, and that is comic books. Or I thought things, you were, I or thought you were going to say one corporation. I'll get there. Or <laughs> things of that nature. Yeah. So it's things like Star Wars, um, and, and that's kind of it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so. A lot well, of it there's is... There's a bunch of, like, <laughs> excuse me, action series and stuff that are very popular. Yeah, too, but, but 
you know, no one loses the, their mind. The big pop culture stuff is Marvel, yeah, Star Wars, sort of DC, sort of DC, mainly because of the of the Snyder Cut, yeah, just because of because what of the it is. people live for the drama on that yeah. one. Yeah. Now, when like Batman and Superman was announced, it was a a big deal. Yeah. But it was subpar. Um. There's a whole that's a whole other conversation. I could do an entire podcast on the rumors and stuff about Warner Brothers and HBO Max and stuff and the Snyderverse, whatever. That would be but, our mini series coming it's, out. It's ridiculous, dude. December. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here it is. Uh, um, but what are your thoughts? I mean, is that? I mean, I I know how you feel, but why do you, a question why do you think to that me. is? Like, why do you think that no one gets super hyped for the next? You know, like I get super hyped for the next Chris Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. You know, but. Does well, uh, hold up, Chris Nolan definitely true. has his fans. Yes, but I'm saying like, I don't know, like, it's weird. It's just I, I wish. People I love how we're on a, a for, like a nickname basis with Christopher Chris, Nolan. Yeah, Chris, you hey, know, Chris, you know. what's up, man? But I'm saying like, it, it it is interesting. It's sort of like music in a sense, where it's like there's a lot of incredible art being made mm-hmm. that doesn't really get seen because it doesn't have superheroes in it, you know. And I love superheroes. So, it, like, what do you? It I might, mean, it might be an exposure thing. So, like, many of the movies that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, mm-hmm. I might not have even heard of them if it hadn't been for us doing, doing this. Yeah, doing the right. Uh, but when Which, when a new mind you is Marvel like movie, why I want to do this, right? Yeah. When a new Marvel movie gets announced, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. I'm not on social media and I see it, so it's yeah, everywhere. <laughs> it's just interesting because it's kind of sad in the sense of like, I don't know, like Sound of Metal. Is, Incredible. It's probably better than any superhero movie that I've ever seen. Yeah. Except yeah, yeah. except maybe The Dark Knight. And okay. I say that because The Dark Knight, in my opinion, is not really a superhero movie. It is a like a classic crime thriller in mm-hmm. a way. Um, with a really rich guy with a really deep voice. Who dresses like a bat. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm saying, like, that's why that film worked for me. <clears throat> so it's really interesting that, I don't know, like, I, in an effort to get away from the comic book stuff when we started this new series, because I, like, I think, Zach, you said, like, I follow the comic book nerdy movies pages, Star Wars, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, but then I started <clears throat> looking up, like, just sort of generic movie industry yeah. News, and still most of it is superhero stuff. Right. You know. Well, it, all it, the news is: Will Zack Snyder get his vision completed at Warner Brothers? Will Black Adam bring back Henry Cavill? Is Falcon good? And it's just like, it's easily digestible. Yes, yeah, information. And I also wonder, talking about this film and the film that this film is based off of. How much politics is there? How, how the people in charge of distributing information impact this kind of yeah. stuff. Well, that's interesting because, very briefly, because it's already 10 minutes in, but the whole thing with Warner Brothers right now is with the whole Snyderverse, and now there's a the release Snyder Cut campaign was successful. Now they've, the hashtag restore the Snyderverse is the most tweeted thing in Twitter history mm-hmm. in one day. It was like almost 2 million tweets. The most t- tweeted like hashtag. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I was thinking like the word the is probably well, no, been no, tweeted no, a yeah, lot. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying like it was like <laughs> it, it surpassed Avengers Endgame, surpassed right. any movie ever made, and 
you have Warner Brothers who is probably playing, like trying to save face. And if they, because they came out and said, we're not making any more. We're not doing the air cut, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Yeah. Do I have opinions. Yeah. So like they're probably s- trying to save face. Right. You know, or like. This is unrelated to yeah. the question that you no, originally asked. But I have a theory about this. I think, and I, I've texted you about this. Mm-hmm. I think that Warner Brothers is trying to let the hype build and let this movement build of like release the air cut, release the Snyder cut, release the Snyder cut. We're not going to release the Snyder cut. And then, oh, what do you know? HBO is going to be releasing the yeah. Snyder cut. I think that they're going to do the same thing. I mean, the fact that they said we have no plans of moving forward with the air cut tells us that there is an air that cut. That there actually is right? an air cut. So that's like. Well, it's interesting because they've been saying that the people who are ahead of HBO Max want to do these movies, mm-hmm. but Warner Brothers doesn't. But it's just weird because, like this film, Mank. But think about so how much information there is for us to talk about this. Like yeah. There's all this stuff coming out, all these stories. That's and f- true. And for whatever reason, this information is generated and, and disseminated, and there's so much to talk about, so much to digest. Yeah. A- a- another thing, these big universes, I feel like people really like big creations like that, that they can they can continue to yeah. relate with the characters. Yeah. And, you know, it builds upon itself. Uh, ideally, sometimes you know, <laughs> directors take different directions and things like that. But yeah. y- you know what I mean, like yeah, it's just interesting. It's just it, you know, and then you have, you like have w- like w- you have gone when you go to watch Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, you know where that story, or you have an idea of where that story is going to begin, right? And you know the mm-hmm. characters, a lot of them, and there's a certain level of comfort that comes along with that. When you sit down to watch The Sound of Metal. You don't know. <laughs> you yeah. don't know what's... It's what's uncomfortable sometimes. It can be. Yeah. And, but I think it's tragic. I, I I don't know. I was telling... What started the angry texting yes. rant was that I said, after watching Sound of Metal, and I will I will back that statement after watching Mank, too. Mm. When I watch a film like this that brings so much to the table, that has a powerful message, that is really masterfully created mm-hmm. in, in multiple different ways, it... It's upsetting to me that these aren't in the mainstream. That the yeah. mainstream is the superhero and the Star Wars and the yeah. the cartoon remakes that are put into live action. It just seems you, unnecessary so to me. This Disney. Yeah. Look, look, I've got nothing against Disney. Like I don't want that to be misconstrued. I do also agree with you in the sense where it's like, do we need these? Yeah. We don't really. You know what I mean? And it's and it's just there's so much of the same thing. We right. just got James Gunn's Suicide Squad trailer. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm super hyped for it. But we already got one. Right. While we're also simultaneously trying to get another version of the first movie released. Right. So now we're getting movies that we've already seen that are already amazing. Right. In the Lion King and the you know the classic, the uh, Beauty and the Beast, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Getting them again. A lot of times it's the same movie, right. just with real people, and it's like people people aren't talking like about the the message that that movie's trying to send. They're tr- they're talking about like, oh, did the little teapots look nice when they were? Yeah, dead? you know what I mean. Like it's like <laughs> it's like we watch it differently, and I get it. Right. Where it's like there's kids nowadays, like my son might maybe he'll resonate more with John Favreau's Lion King mm-hmm. because it's it's brilliantly made, but like. If that didn't exist, I would have still shown him the Lion King. 
and he probably would have loved it. You know what I mean? And so it's, no, it's never weird. See it. Sometimes it f- does feel like a cash grab. Like, do we need a Corella Deville prequel? Right. Like Emma Stone is a brilliant actress. She's incredible. I just don't. Did I dream that she's retiring from acting? I'm not. I haven't heard that. Keep talking, and I'm going to look this up. So, like, I get to your point. You know, like, I don't know. Like, no, I'm thinking of Emma, Emma Watson. It's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Emma Watson's retired from acting. She's really. She's, she's like going to live in the countryside. Well, she's she seems she's she's kind of pivoted more to being like an intellectual activist, right? Which yeah. I think she's is got great. other things she want she wants to focus um, on, but. I'll try and sorry. sorry. No, no, I just derailed that whole no, thing on fine, something that's fine. not even. I'm just saying, like it's, it's interesting. You know, like I get it. Even though I love Marvel, I love Star Wars, mm-hmm. I love Mandalorian, I love all that stuff. I'm super hyped for for the Obi Wan Kenobi series, which their cast looks amazing. Yeah, um, that's what it was. The that picture. Came yeah, out like and it's yeah. great, and I'm fine with getting more stories that we haven't heard if it's in the same universe. Mm-hmm. But like, at the same time, it's like. When you this is the last thing, it's been twenty minutes. Sorry. It just it feels really easy. Well no, but I'm saying like they've they've announced like six more Star Wars movies. Yes. <clears throat> like this is my issue. Like five or six new Star Wars shows. How many movies are gonna are, are planned for the MCU? Oh, there's movies How many more Toy Look, Stories are they gonna the make? Thing. Here's the thing. The movies for the Man. MCU don't <laughs> don't bother me as much because but there's probably seven or eight. There's like fourteen shows. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's too much. Is too much, and and they're good, but it's just like we, you know, there's a reason we haven't done Wandavision. There's a reason we haven't done Falcon and Soldier because it's too much. Let me ask you a question. Yes, you've seen all of Wandavision. I assume I you're going to watch all of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier when I can. I've seen one episode. Five years from now, are you going to think back about the impact that Wandavision had on you? I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, there's, there's. Did some it have an impact on you? There was. I can think of one line. Okay. I can think of one line that I thought that was really, really beautiful. Like powerful. Yes. Okay. And it was said by Vision, and uh, this is, by the way, this is the theme of WandaVision. Okay. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. <coughs> nah. I'm okay. Um, Vision says. I am Vision. What, <laughs> he flies away. I think he flies away. Vision says, "What is grief, if not?" love persevering hmm. and i thought that was that was really that was that was nice that was worth my my price of admission mm-hmm. but and like i'm not saying that the mcu stuff hasn't had an impact on me yeah but i'm just saying like can i ask you a follow-up question yes five years from now could you see yourself looking back at sound of metal yes. and thinking about the impact it's yeah. not even a question but see films like the, and I, I promise you, then we'll get onto our main topic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but films like The Last Jedi, right? Yeah. Um, or hell, man, even Batman v Superman. Yeah. Like, or The Winter Soldier. These movies that stirred up conversations that didn't try and make a, stu- like a formulaic superhero sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. We have a Batman who's broken and jaded. Why? That's like... we. It's been five years, and it just got re-released. That mm-hmm. that movie's never even faded. I don't care if you hate it or not. Winter Soldier, it's an espionage spy film. Still probably one of the best films in the MCU. Okay? Mm-hmm. The Last Jedi, that was a film that took risk. I don't care if you hate it. That's fine if you hate it. But, like, what? Do you hate Last Jedi? Uh, I thought you liked that one. 
Is that is that, is that episode seven? No, that's episode eight. Oh, uh, eight. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm saying yeah, like yeah, 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 having yeah, yeah. this this Luke yeah, yeah, yeah. who's who's broken and is. See, I'm so out of it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm 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 saying like those films who took the big artistic risks. Yeah. I love, and I think that's awesome. Even though I don't agree with it, I respect it. Right. But then you have fandoms who are just like lose it. And mm-hmm. even though I like DC, the Snyder Cut fandom has done that, where they're just like, I'm going to sit here. No, I'm not going to watch. There are people who are f- who are review bombing Godzilla versus Kong because Warner won't release the Snyderverse. You know See, what I'm that, saying? It's that's just like that's a step too. It's just far. too much. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a step too far. I don't know. We 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 went on a little rant there, but it's interesting because we are but doing this podcast because we love films, mm-hmm. not comic book movies. I love them, even though we started with the comic book stuff. Yes, <laughs> but also like frankly, that's uh, that's also what's popular. You know what right. I'm saying? Like yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's an easy entry because <laughs> those are easy film films to digest. Yep. They're easy to approach. Yeah. You I know. don't know. It's just it's an interesting conversation. And it's something that everyone can talk about, you know. Yeah. Not everyone's gonna like Sound of Metal, but most people are probably going to enjoy that cinematic experience watching uh, yeah. like I don't know. Um anyway, do we have any whiskey shots? Is that what's next? So how's whiskey do? I don't live with whiskey. She's doing so great, man. She's snoozing. She's uh, she's she's just living her best life, man. Yeah. I mean, really. She. I took a picture of it this morning because I walked in here. I turned I, t- I turned on the light, and she was. Uh, we'll, we'll post this on. on yeah, this will be on Instagram on and Twitter. Twitter. She wasn't having it. <laughs> she wasn't having it. But she's good, man. She's good. All right, uh, Zach. Can you play us out with your with the theme song? With the theme song. Yeah. Have you already forgotten it? Whiskey shots. No, no. Whiskey shots. Whiskey shots. Does whatever (laughs) a whiskey cat does. That that was what it was, right? That was a Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, No, it's whiskey shots. Whiskey shots. All right, cool. I thought you meant our theme song. uh, That's whiskey's theme song. Cool. So uh, it's time for a movie in a minute. Good Lord, we're already 20 minutes in. We we, we went on a rant there, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Movie in a minute, trademark. Trademark. Zach, it's your turn. Yeah, it is my turn. Let me pull up. I'll pull up a timer for you. It's going be interesting to hear this one because this movie is very interesting to me. Yeah. I am uh, not going to jump all over the place like this movie does. I'm just going to talk about main plots, what's happening in this film. Yeah. And, and then we will digest it. Cool. You ready? It'll be in our stomachs. Mm-hmm. All right. And movie in a minute. <laughs> That was rude. Sorry. <laughs> Movie in a minute. In three, two, one, go. Okay, so it's 1940. Orson Welles has been given like complete creative freedom at RKO Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to make this awesome movie, and he doesn't know what it's about. So he recruits Herman J. Mankiewicz, I think is how you pronounce it. Close. A.K.A. Mank. Mank. And uh, Mank is recovering from a broken leg because some idiot just like drove off the road talking about some girl or something. So he breaks his leg. He's in this house. He's an alcoholic. He's writing this movie. Uh, While he's writing the movie, he has all these flashbacks about how he met the characters that this movie is based on. Uh, The movie, by the way, is uh, Citizen Kane. So he's going through all this stuff. Uh, The the tension keeps building. And then eventually it it coalesces in this big uh, kerfuffle at the Hearst Castle, where he like calls out Hearst and like says what the movie's about and everything like that, and then at the end they have a creative dispute. 
One minute. <laughs> Movie. Perfection. In a minute. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, cool. That's the episode. We'll see you guys later. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> it. I, that wasn't super... Uh, that was not my best effort. No, it's fine. I found that these, like I said last time, without these films are not, I think you said content dumps, where, mm-hmm. well, maybe not dumps, content mills, where there's so much happening. There's it's a like lot boom, of, boom, boom, yeah, boom, this boom. is a lot of, it's just kind of hard to figure these out. Right. Anyway, so Zach, walk us through this. Mank. Okay. you guys couldn't tell, we're doing Mank. Mank. <laughs> Mank was uh, directed by David, fi- David Fincher. Now, Hunter, you know David Fincher's movies, right? I think so. I'm looking them up right now because you think so. I'm, I'm, I guarantee you, I do. You want me to list oh, some he did off Fight for Club. you? Seven. What? Yeah, that's great. Zodiac, The Curious Case of Yo, Benjamin I Button. I love Zodiac. The Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Okay, so he's Gone a good director. Girl. He's a good director. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> uh, something else that you might not know about him, he also did. Uh, he was like an assistant uh, cameraman mm-hmm. on. Um, one of the st- one of the original Star Wars movies. Oh, tight. Yeah, and he That's also cool. did some camera work for uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So he was. So like he's he been in the industry. He knows uh, Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been in the industry for a while. He makes uh, really good films. I think this one's a good film too. Whiskey. What do you have to say? Well put. Brilliant. So good. Uh, all right, cool. So who uh, who did the music? The music was done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Of Nine Inch you Nails. You may know them from Nine Inch Nails. I love that. That's awesome. But they also have quite a career doing like soundtracks for movies. Yeah. They uh, won an Academy Award for Best Original Score for the movie The Social Network back in 2010. Sounds like they, they like working with David Fincher. Yeah. And cool. in 2013, they won a Grammy for Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media for their soundtrack to The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. again, The one with Daniel Craig? Is that the one, I think? Yeah. Uh, again, with David Fincher. So right on. And, I mean, this soundtrack is pretty flawless, I yeah, would say. Yeah, it's great. It's nice to see members of Nine Inch Nails not putting Nine Inch, like Nine Inch it's Nails-esque so yeah, it's music really into it. Cool. You know what I mean? Like these, yeah. like, he- like rock rockers. They can really flex their musical muscles, if yeah. that makes sense. It's like, I think we were talking about it in Monday's episode, mm-hmm. when we were talking about he's a he was a metal drummer listening to Delta Blues, Delta Blues, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like the the appreciation of music, if you know as an craft. art, yep. not just like doing your thing, yep. you know, your little niche. Uh, this was written by Jack Fincher, uh, starring Gary Oldman, yep. Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, Arliss Howard, Tom Pelfrey, and Charles Dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Runtime one hundred and thirty one minutes. The budget was $25 mil- million. Uh, box office numbers, again, are weird because it released during a pandemic. Well, also, this was a Netflix film, I thought. I think this is a Netflix. Yes. I think so. So what are, why is box office? I wonder how they have a number there. Right. They have 122,000. I May, wonder if I, it might have had a limited. Maybe? It might have had a limited release. Maybe. Some Netflix films, think about, wasn't, didn't uh, The Irishman have a limited theater release? I think so. I think so. And that's I a Netflix remember. film. Yeah. And then uh, cinematography was Eric. Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. Messerschmitt. Messerschmitt. I want to bring him up, and just because a a recurring theme, at least for me in this movie, is Mm -hmm. um, while I have thoughts on the story and I, you know, how it hit me, whatever, the the craftsmanship behind this film is 
phenomenal. Yeah. So everybody involved on that side of the camera. There's some beautiful shots. Uh, like there's a, a really popular cinematography Twitter page that just like will post famous shots from movies. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple shots from this movie that could yeah. be featured on that page. Um, uh, he also has done, he's, he's been director of photography for an episode of Fargo. Uh, he did stuff on Gone Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Just trying to shout out. You no, know. Yeah, no, because I, I think that's where this movie shines. Yeah. Um, off the top, though, and then I'll kind of let you take the reins. What are your thoughts? First reaction. That Oh, that's hard. So I had not seen uh, Citizen Kane. So I will say that I watched Citizen Kane yesterday, <laughs> and I will say that I really, really enjoyed Citizen Kane. Yeah, it's a serious and, movie. Uh, it's it's a it's a seriously good movie. Uh, there are a lot of simul similarities between those movies. It feels like this movie tried to take some of the uh, cinemagraphic, like chances that that movie took because mm -hmm. that movie was very like ahead of its time. Yeah. Like when Orson Welles released Citizen Kane, people were people's minds were blown. It didn't do well in the box office. Yeah, um, it's one of those it's sort of like uh, like Blade Runner. Right. It was like a critical failure at the time. Well, it was a critical success but a a, a a commercial failure. And then you fast forward a few years and it's like this is a masterpiece. This is the best movie ever. Yeah. Like this is this is American film, you know. Um and so it is difficult for me to watch that movie and then watch a movie that's based on that movie and, and formulate an opinion because I'm comparing it to Citizen Kane. Yeah, how do which, you which is often considered the best film ever made. How do you compare something to <laughs> Citizen Kane? Yeah, usually like that or Vertigo by Alfred Hitchcock. They like alternate right. between or, or one and two. Casablanca I've heard thrown in there too. Yes, yeah. But it's usually in the top three or so. Right. Um, but yeah, all right. Walk us through it. What are your first oh, impressions? I this Talk movie, this movie is, I mean, incredibly made. Um, yeah, the way it's shot, no doubt. the way it's shot is. We're coming from different angles because I watched Citizen Kane yesterday. Yeah, and no, you, yeah, you've seen it. I saw it years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but and it definitely evoked Citizen Kane. But this mm -hmm. movie, to me, not just how it was shot because it's black and white, but how it was rendered in post with how it like was handled in editing as far as how it looks right is awesome the framing is is old school the way the scenes yeah. fade in and out is super cool um the music is great even the audio sounds like it's older mm -hmm. like i think all of that stuff is just masterfully done so i really enjoyed that aspect of it the movie itself self was very good it was good. Okay. It didn't like, you know, Sound Metal, I had like a reaction to it. It like sure. hit me. This movie. This movie was interesting. It was very interesting. And it's interesting because I've seen Citizen Kane because I went to film school because I love movies. Mm -hmm. Sound of Metal, I feel like can, can, can grab anybody. Sure. You know what I mean? This movie, I've heard, you know, when La La Land almost swept every award, and I love La La Land too, but I heard someone say, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. Yeah. So... I, I mean, there's been a there's been a big influx of movies about the industry yeah. in the past like five years, right? Yeah. And so I kind of had that thought while I was watching this. And I'm not saying that to take away from it because sure. everyone is great in it. Gary Oldman's great. Um Amanda Seafried is great. Um Charles Dance. Uh I mean the the whole cast it, it's all really well done. Mm -hmm. It just didn't 
it took a while for it to suck me in. Okay. You know what I mean? Like towards the end, I was definitely like I was in it. See, I was I was in it from the beginning. It didn't yeah. it didn't take a while. Probably because I had watched a black and white movie yesterday. Yeah, like I think part <laughs> of me was trying to like simultaneously re- like remember things about Citizen Kane okay. while I was watching it. Let me ask you this question mm-hmm. and then we can dive into yeah. you know, the movie itself, you know, plot points and things like that. Uh do you think this movie would be enjoyable to someone who has not seen Citizen Kane? No. No. I don't think Hannah would like this movie. Like Well, okay, but my wife Let's be uh, honest. Well, Okay. Is Hannah everybody? No, she's not everybody. She's she's your no. wife. So, I, well, I, I I I use her as, as my example because yeah. Um, you know, like maybe I don't know. I I don't. I'm just trying to think. Um, like I feel like they'd be definitely be lost, but could they could they enjoy it? Like the the production value and I think this movie is best suited for some for someone who at least has an interest in filmmaking. Okay, and, and if you do have an interest in filmmaking, you have most likely seen Citizen Kane. Okay, um, but just because it, it they make a lot of references, I hadn't. <laughs> well, yeah, but but you also <laughs> love movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you would have. I, I, Acknowledge how what makes this a good movie, even if you hadn't seen Citizen Kane. I'm glad I watched Citizen Kane before watching this because I there are things that yes, there are a ton of references. Uh, absolutely, yeah. That if someone hasn't seen Citizen Kane, you would not know what the hell they're talking about. Right. When someone's talking about a sled or Rosebud, mm-hmm. you don't know. You're like, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? But the sled Rosebud is a is the linchpin. Right. Of Citizen Kane, um, and even still, it took me a minute to kind of get what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know. I I think, I just think. There were points in this movie where I, I I got lost in the weeds a little bit and had too. to go back and yep. then and then I, I was like oh, okay that's what they're talking yeah. about. Uh, and I I mean, I I should let me just say like this. I watched the first hour of this film last night, um, laying in bed with Hannah and she didn't care. Okay. I'm not saying that as any sort of good or bad thing. I feel like sometimes if if an art piece is so good, it'll draw you in no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't seem to be interested in it. But there are many movies that we both enjoy that that she doesn't s- get into. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. What are you getting at? Uh, I don't know. I just think <laughs> there's you, you know because I think about movies like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Nope. That takes place in two rooms, and it's a masterpiece. And she was just as enamored with it as as I was. Okay. So I think, I don't know. I just feel like this was very, it was a little self-indulgent sometimes. <coughs> okay. Within, <coughs> excuse me, as far as like a movie. <coughs> you need a glass of water? Good Lord. A movie about movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, sa- like I said in the intro, <coughs> this is a movie that people who enjoy movies will enjoy. Yeah. Right? Anyway. Let's get let's into the let's let's dive the into movie. It a bit. We're talking about movies today. Mank. Mank, the movie. Okay, so we open up and I mean this the scene is set pretty clearly. Orson Welles is given creative freedom over this this film. Yep. Do you know who he is? Like did you know who he was beforehand? I know this was his de- directorial debut, yeah. but how did he get here? So Tell he me. was this is one quick thing. I think this is just so fascinating. Sorry, I just hijacked it. No, I mean, I, we, we want fascinating Yeah, things. but I've, I've always thought this, that this was super interesting because I learned yeah. this when, when I was younger. Orson Welles, um, I forget how he got started, but I know he kind of blew up because he was re- he, he did radio shows. Oh, okay. Um, 
And what made him like a household name was he did War of the Worlds. He wrote War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah. So like okay. the old 60s movie and then the Steven Spielberg remake with Tom Cruise. Right. But when he did it, it, it like actually freaked everyone yes, out, right? because yeah, he, okay. he did the program. His program started with, with another program, and he started doing it like it was some concert being interrupted by the news bulletins, mm-hmm. and each time they got worse and worse and worse. Right. So people thought that Earth was being invaded by Martians. Yeah. So that sort of, like, I've always thought that was really cool because that tells you that he's a great storyteller because he sure. can do it with just words. Yeah. No visuals, nothing. Um, but yes, you are right. He was, they were like, here, make a movie, whatever you want. Because RKO was sort of... Uh, they were tanking, weren't they? Yeah, they were tanking. Yeah. The All big right. the big names, MGM and uh, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers uh, Paramount. I think Paramount is mentioned as well. Yep. Um, and RKO was going down. Mm-hmm. And this movie, while it was amazing, Citizen Kane, it didn't really help them out because, yeah. like, I, like we talked about, it was a commercial failure pretty yep. much. Uh, so we, we meet Mank who's being brought into this this uh, home out in the, like, Mojave Desert or something? Or I th- think he's in California. Yeah, it says Victorville, California. Okay. <laughs> Wherever that is. And, it's definitely uh, the desert. Yeah, his leg is broken. Some idiot driving a car. Yeah, he was in a car <laughs> with this guy, and the guy was like, I think she loves me. Look at this letter. And he's like, please keep your eyes on the road. And the guy's like, look at this letter. And he just crashes. And he's fine, but... <laughs> yeah, he's being, like, lifted into a hospital, and then uh, into an ambulance, and... And the guy's like, I think she loves me. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> come on, man, get over yourself. You just like broke this guy's hip and everything. Because it's not just his leg at first. He's in a full... Yeah, he's like in a body cast. Body right? cast thing. Uh, so Mank has been hired to create this or r- write this film. Uh, he's, he's given a deadline of 90 days. Yep. But in the first five minutes, it gets cut down to yeah. 60 days by Orson Welles. Uh, he has... Uh, Hairline, I can't remember her name. The nurse, what's the nurse's yes. name? Uh, I forget her name. Okay. Um, I am. I apologize, I'll nurse. Find out real fast. Um, and Rita, Rita Alexander, who dictates for him. So she like writes down all, all of his thoughts and then types it up. And then he, I guess he looks over it and edits it and everything. Um, and they start writing this this movie, and. It becomes very clear to Rita. Rita's reading it, and she's like, "This is about. I mean, this is obvious who this is about." Yes, but we don't really know that yet, right? Unless you've seen Citizen. Well, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we start doing this jumping around nonlinear well, because Citizen Kane's also nonlinear, correct? Correct, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it it follows. So Citizen Kane is a movie that is nonlinear and mm. follows this newspaper tycoon. Yep. This movie is nonlinear, and it is about a movie being written based on a newspaper tycoon. Yes. It's v- there's so many similarities. Which it all if comes... You, if you watch them back-to-back like I did, yeah. there are so many similarities. Yeah. I um, mean, in, in, in Citizen Kane, uh, uh, Charles Kane is talking about the war, and he's like, there's not going to be a war. Like, I, I talked it with everyone over there. There's, there's not going to be a war, trust yeah. me. And uh, William Hurst... Is like oh the Nazis they're dignified people they're not gonna, we're not gonna yep. have a war you know stuff yep. like that and I thought that was a really interesting scene because you never really think about you know like when the with the rise of Hitler like people talking about him you're like yeah right. I mean should we be worried and it's like I right. don't know because us growing up after the fact all we've known is 
how bad it was. Right. So that's really a that's a that's a really interesting scene. In that scene, yeah. Uh, I think I think it's Mank. It might be someone else, but they're talking about you know they're starting to put uh, concentration camps in place. Yes. And someone's like, "What's a concentration camp?" Yeah. You know, yeah. And that is Mank. He says that they they just built their first concentration camp. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. The political undertones of this movie are not even really, I would say, undertones. They're, they're not subtle. They're right. They're front it's and center. A, yeah. Uh, it is. It's like a subplot because the the movie's not about that, but it's yeah. definitely a, a a a big subplot with the, the election of Upton, Upton Sinclair. Sinclair. Well, not the election the of him. The campaign. The campaign yes. of Upton Sinclair, who was a uh, socialist left yep. candidate mm-hmm. in California for governor. I think. Yeah, he was, he was running for governor. Yeah, against something Mir- Miriam. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. So anyways, we yeah, go into go this this big flashback about how Mank met William Hurst. He was just like hung over at some estate or something and he waltzed out to this Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, so I was, this movie set, right? I was watching that and I was <laughs> Wouldn't like Wouldn't that be the life? <laughs> no, I was just thinking, I was like, people could not do anything remotely close to this nowadays because yeah. you know, sound stages sets and films are closed. Are closed out. And um he was like dr- just drunkenly walked Yeah. I also think it's so interesting. Because we see uh, L.B. Mayer of MGM mm-hmm. and some other guy, I forget their names. Um, they're like sitting in the shade with their right. fancy clothes and they're, you know. Fully I, dressed. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Like, not not like in the sense of like what I'm watching, but I'm like, filmmaking has changed so much. Right. And it's just like, I don't know. It was it was just really interesting to me. A lot um, of times nowadays, the, the producer's, I mean, I, I would say most times they're not really they're not there. While yeah, the, the they'll f- show up right. sometimes uh, and then come and go. They'll drop in, but yeah. this seemed like this was their job was to be yeah. there, kind of thing. Um, but even the you know I couldn't get the vibe of whether or not Mank was actually liked. You know what I mean? Like they didn't like Mank. It the, was like the, the the two people sitting in the oh, shade. Oh yes, no, that becomes very clear that Mayor is not a fan of Mank. Right. Um, but he uh, sort of just people talk to him and he's like he can go everywhere he wants, but also they're like, you're just a drunk. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, he knew one of the cameramen. Apparently, we don't see when he meets Marion for the first time. Mm-hmm. It, it's like an off-screen thing. She's like, "I know you. You were at that party." And he says some he has this witty personality about him. He's yeah. always making quips. Yep. You know, taking little tiny shots, but people seem to like William Hurst enjoys it cuz William Hurst says something about communists or something. Yep. And he's like, uh, "You know, how many people do you know whose family is like the brothers Marx, and he's like, "Well, what about mine?" or something like that. And he's yeah. like, "Haha, I want him to sit next to yeah, me at he's dinner." Like, I, I like and how you talk. Yeah, and it's like this this huge newspaper tycoon yeah. who's literally just like throwing money at this so that his uh, wife can like get a start in this career. Yes. So I gotta say, I like I said, I can't remember a lot about Citizen Kane at the time. Yeah. I took me a minute to realize that that was his wife. Really, Marian? I think yeah, I think yeah. they. Exa- she calls him pops. I think <laughs> yeah, I think they exaggerated the age difference a little bit. Maybe I don't know. Okay. Um, because Charles Dance, he's up there. He's a great actor, but he's mm-hmm. he's, I don't know. But then I did catch on. I was like, wait a second, okay, because Amanda Seyfried plays Marion. Yes. Um. Whoa, I don't know if you heard an explosion. I'm leaving that in there. But a light bulb just exploded, Good and it Lord. smells like gunpowder in here. Wow. <laughs> Should we pause and clean that up? We're going to take a short commercial break because there's glass. shattered glass everywhere. <laughs> All right, pause. 
We've cleaned up the glass. Yeah, so uh, whatever we were talking about, <laughs> there's a spirit in this home that was not a fan. It didn't like it. And it blew up a light bulb. It, it melted the blanket. Yeah. It, uh, it, was, it was very warm. So we were talking about smell it. the age difference between uh, William Hurst and Marion Davies, correct? Yes, I'm picking up glass. Don't mind me. I thought we were done picking up the glass. Yeah, so um, it so I, I was I, the age difference that drastic? Because on the film, in the, in the movie, it looks very drastic. So she was nineteen years old when she met him, and he was fifty-three in real life. So that's it's pretty drastic. That's a solid <laughs> almost forty years. Yeah, thirty, thirty-five years. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Anyway, um, I don't even know where we were anymore. That that light bulb threw me off. Startled. You know what that reminded me of? That light bulb moment. It reminded me of in Citizen Kane <laughs> when that bird, oh, bird? just goes and it just like sh- shrieks in your. Oh, that scared the crap out you know of me. You know So, and I learned that Orson Welles put that in there to make sure people were still like paying attention. So on that note, just just kind of like we, we this movie jumps around. So let's do that too. On yeah. that note, uh, John, John, Houseman. Okay. The guy who comes, yeah, John Houseman, the guy who comes to see, the producer Mink. guy who seems really stressed out the whole time. Yeah. So one of the things that he uh, brings up to Mank is mm-hmm. that it's an incoherent jumbled mess. Yeah. He says it's it's brilliant, but he's like the audience will never be able to follow. He said I I don't yeah. know what's going on. So it's interesting that you point out that. Willis put that in there to keep the audience awake because maybe they were concerned because later he even says this is too long. It's, well, but it's the greatest thing you've ever written, but it's too long. So I know you haven't seen it in a long time. That that happens, and there's only like t- 10 or 15 minutes left in the movie. Really? Yeah. It's like <laughs> pretty much at the end, this bird is... Um, but so John Hausman, I think, was worried in this film that... Uh, it was going to keep going off the rails. Yeah. Once it was finished, he said, "This is really, ro- this is really well written." Yeah. You know, he was yeah. he was very impressed. Um, I find it interesting. Um, see that here's the thing that's what gets me with with this movie is that my 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 biggest criticism, if you will. Hmm. Um, sorry to keep hijacking it from you. Uh, Hijack is that to me, it doesn't feel like anything crazy happens. Until the last third. Well, a lot of movies are that way now. No, I know, but like with Sound of Metal, I was entranced immediately. Yeah. Um, and yeah. this one, we just keep getting these moments, and they're good. They're well done. They're greatly acted. They're greatly written. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like you know, like it sort of bounces around a bit much for me. But w- so what? What? What is the goal of this film? Is it? Is it to talk about? Like what? Let me back up. What yeah. is the goal of this film? Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I don't always know. You know, I think <clears throat> um, it's a biopic. Yes, so it's, it's definitely trying to, to tell the story behind Mank and the writing of Citizen Kane, but also it's very much a social commentary. Right, it's exploring the politics of film, yes. the film industry, and but how they influenced politics. Yes, which is, which is accurate. You know, the whole socialism to history. Uh, you know, overly proud GOP things. That's not a new conversation. You know, that's not a new conversation. 
by any right. means. But I don't think I, I'm not certain that they were trying to. I mean, there are parallels to mm-hmm. the current political climate, which mm-hmm. I don't really want to get into, no, super, no, no, no. you know, specifically. No, yeah. But these things are accurate to the 1930s. Yes, you know which what I mean. Interesting like, because that, for me, like as a viewer, it makes me realize, okay, none of this stuff is new. Like the stuff happening yeah. today, it's not. Oh, new. that's what you were saying. Yeah, okay. it's not new. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think it's, but I do think it's very interesting to to see how almost monopolized film was back then. Not really mm-hmm. because there's a, a bunch of big studios. Right. But like they even say that like Mayer tries to buy out RKO right. to stop this movie being made. Yeah. So like those kind of things were really fascinating. Is is Louis Mayer a, a is he a, just a bigwig or is he a lawyer? I'm not sure. Because in the, the character that uh, is based off of him in Citizen Kane is is like a lawyer. You know, he's like the legal representation for. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Herman Cain. <laughs> no, nah, this just says film producer and studio uh, exec. Okay, so he's a yeah. big he's a big wig. Um, I thought it was. This is off topic to what we were talking about, but mm-hmm. on topic for the movie. Uh, L- Louis Louis Mayer Louis Mayer LB 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 Mayer LB Louis Mayer. Uh, was walking them through the studio and he was saying all this stuff and he said something that really stuck out to me. He said, we are selling nothing but a memory. Yeah. You he know? says something like, this is the only industry where what the consumer buys still belongs to the To producers. us. Yeah. We're selling nothing but a memory. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think, is it true? Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting just how the whole old Hollywood is portrayed. I just thought of something. No, continue, and then I will no, yeah, come back but, like, to it. There's a show that we watched on Netflix called Hollywood Land, mm-hmm. and it, it's fictionalized, and it's like an alternate kind of reality kind of thing. Yeah. But it's really interesting to show the golden age of, 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 of Hollywood, which this was right before that, kind right. of. Um, but this time when, like, uh, I don't know, like it's still glamorous today, you know, Hollywood, even though Atlanta is almost the new Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was like this whole different world. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Anyway, what's your thought? So my thought was, in this movie, LB says that. He says, you know, we're selling a memory. Uh, in Citizen Kane, someone is on there. Is Oh, it was um, like, uh, uh, is his name Charles Kane? Yes. Charles Kane. See, I watch these movies, and I'm trying my best with these details, y'all. I promise. But some, some Charles Foster Kane. Charles Foster Kane has this buddy named like Jedediah, right? And uh, Jedediah is old, and one of the newspaper people or one of the media people are interviewing him, and he says uh, that memory is a curse. He says we're we're cursed with memory. Mm. And I just thought that was in, like the contrast. There's so yeah. many parallels, like I said. Yeah, it's really. So would you say? Um, I know we're not really going by the movie, but whatever. <laughs> would you s- just just because this you can't talk about this film without talking about Citizen Kane? Would right. you say that this movie was made better for you because you had just watched Citizen Kane? I think you've already said that. I would, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because there are so many little tiny things. I'm not even going to be able to point to all of them. Yeah, uh, that that are like stark. I mean, big parallels to that movie. Little thing, little Easter eggs, and things yeah. that you can, you know, you could watch this movie ten times and, and get not, something out yeah. every single time, you know. Yeah. Which I I enjoy films like that. Like uh, I know you haven't seen Memento, but every time I watch Memento, see I see something new. 
I pull something out of that movie, you know. So, <clears throat> yeah, like that. Uh, I think that's why the first half of the film for me was a little uh, what's muddy, the word? lagging maybe. Okay. Because I, I was actively trying to be like, okay, what was that in Citizen Kane? You know, like yeah. I didn't have time to watch Citizen Kane first. Right. What'd you watch it on, by the way? HBO Max. Oh, dope. Um, but it was just like not a sponsor. Could be. Hey, we'll happily do that. Um. Hashtag restore the Snyderverse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like, they'll men- they'll make mentions of things. And I'm like, okay, who was that in Citizen Kane? What is that? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of tough. But oddly enough, the the thing that actually eventually got me in, which I, I'm not usually, this, you know, for this, but was the political subplot. Of this movie? Yes. Okay. Interesting because... Let's I, talk I about it. I don't always like when it's so... It's sort of like Zack Snyder and his Christ allegories where it's like right in your face. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? But it's a big parallel to Citizen Kane. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, we're just going to keep talking no, about it. No, it's fine. It's, it's what this film is made to be. Right. Essentially, there's the, the gubernatorial election. Gubernatory? Between, between Upton Sinclair and the other guy. Yep. Whose name I can't remember. Because he's, he's barely Mir- even mentioned. Mirum or something like that. It's not, it's not about that other candidate. It's about the smear campaign yes. against Upton Sinclair. Yes. And it's about the reaction of the quote-unquote higher-ups to right. this to Sinclair. Right. So um, Sinclair's got some, some uh, opinions that uh, William Hurst doesn't like. Yes. And so William Hurst being this... Uh, tycoon this he just he like owns the newspapers right and mm-hmm. he is also in the film industry and all this stuff he has a lot of power to sway public opinion yeah. and so he hires uh a guy named shelly and i think shelly actually remember when they go into that room and there's all the people working on the films and stuff you yes. know all the people and they're smoking cigars and whatever was shelly in that room with them he was I one of them so. yeah and uh First off, what was that woman doing there? You remember that? She, I think she was a. She also she had the same role as like Rita. She would dictate for uh, uh, Mank's brother. I think. Gotcha. But she was. She had an interesting outfit on. Yeah, <laughs> just wearing pasties or whatever. Yeah, it was just pasties. I will say, I thought. And that then Mank said something like, "Oh man, I'd like to see, see her that, in a sweater <laughs> or yeah, something." Like, I don't that, know. That was weird, but I liked the scene um, uh, where they were brought to this other room to pitch for a director and obviously had not written a story. That was very interesting. And they just went around pointing, being like, you take it next. You t-. And I thought... This and the ending is, and it was the new guy? It was the new guy, yeah. And it was interesting, because I wonder... Like, I'd, I'd watch that movie. You have to wonder if that's how it was actually um, made. Uh, have you I'm seen uh, Mad Men? I actually haven't. I've heard it's amazing. It's not on Netflix anymore. It used to be on Netflix. It's it's going to get picked up somewhere. I think it's just like in between. You know how shows, mm-hmm. their contract will expire. Anyways, it's about like ad agencies and stuff. And uh, there's a lot of that kind of thing that goes on. Just like improv. You know. Yeah. Wit. Yeah, no, and I, I really like that. Um, but anyway, I, I was going to make a point, but I forgot what it was. Make um, it. No, yeah, so the I really started to like underst- like feel... When the smear campaign happened, mm-hmm. and he's you know they're he's they're gambling, and then Shelley I think is like come watch this, and I was confused at first, but it's hinted at when he and poor Sarah uh, are on the beach and they hear the radio ad, yeah, of the woman saying I'm voting for him of the of, of the of the Republican and they know the they know the voice and, and Mank is like I know that voice that's an that's an actress who's filthy rich yeah, um, 
So yeah, it's definitely hinted at, and it's true that the the smear campaign, the video mm. that Shelley filmed and produced or whatever, like, yeah. you know, put together, those are paid actors. Yep. And this is accurate to history. Back in the 30s, yes. there were paid actor campaigns like this to sway public opinion yep. in politi- like in elections. Yep. Um, I see, for, 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 for whatever reason, that little subplot to me became more interesting. I mean, it was very interesting. As the film came, yeah. went on, and then Shelley's arc, which is really sad. Um, right. Uh, because he even says, like, I think Mank hears Upton speaking outside, um, and I think it's Shelley who says, you know, he might not have Hollywood, but he's got my vote. Mm-hmm. And then he's the one who runs, who directs the smear campaign, because he says, they gave me a chance to direct. Yeah. Um, and Mank, always with his little witti- witticisms, yeah. says... You're not the first one to yep. to sell your morals for yeah. you know a chance to move up or what whatever he says. It's yeah. something along those and lines. And he says that he has Parkinson's and it's just yeah. this really sad scene. Gets the gets the bullets out of the gun, but and he then had a whole box. Yeah, Eve, who they keep calling Faye. <laughs> well, because Shelley's been married twice. Yeah, but Eve was like he had a whole box, and so that's when I was kind of like I don't know that for some reason by then I was like okay like I finally like sort of caught up to the movie. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. But then we get this other conflict of all the characters that we've met throughout his past. Yeah. You know, um, Jack comes and talks and sees him. Marion comes and talks and sees him. All saying, don't put this film out. Like, don't don't give this to, to Orson or whatever. Don't put it out. Well, I mean, it makes sense that Marion would say well, that. Yeah, obviously. I mean, even though Mank says that character is not you, I mean, it, it kind of is, you know. Because Rita in the first first half of the film immediately is like this is based off of William Hurst yeah and, and Marianne Davies because, because yeah. she's like oh you knew her or whatever mm-hmm. um, that's when we get the first flashback with yep. the, the cigarette and the haha he's gonna sit to my left yeah. you know <laughs> um, um, but <coughs> yeah like I don't know I just think so yeah at this point in the movie I mean, it goes back and forth, but the screen pr- the screenplay is pretty much written, mm-hmm. and now it's it's to the after effects with all these people like like Jack and uh, what was the producer's name, John Houseman, and everyone saying like this is a big risk. I don't know if you should do this, blah 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 blah. But then at the end of it, they all say this is the best the thing, best you've, thing ever, you've ever you've written. ever written. Which is which is interesting too, because he had originally agreed to not get credit for this. Yeah, he was ghostwriting for Orson Welles. Right. Um, which, for those of you who don't know, ghostwriting is a thing. Yeah, for sure. Ghostwriting is a thing in scripts. It is a thing in music. Yeah. Where people will write songs for for people without their name on it. Yeah. Um, I'm T-Pain's ghostwriter. Zach is T-Pain's. He's not. I'm not. Let's <laughs> let's cut. Uh, let me make very clear <laughs> that I am not T-Pain's ghostwriter. Um We'll we'll give it a shot though, T Pain, if you want us to. Yeah, <laughs> listen, he put out an album without auto tune. He's an incredible singer. Yeah, it's he's great. Oof, it's he's yeah. great. Um, anyway, so uh, you know, he's he's definitely realized that this is his this is his magnus opus, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because uh, I don't know. Like, I think at this point, seeing the dynamic of these relationships is interesting. It just for me, it took a while to get there. Um. But then Orson shows up finally. Mm-hmm. I'm probably skipping around. Uh, and then he does say, like, I, I want credit. Or, or 
Did I skip the Did I skip the the big castle scene? I think you did think because did. Yeah, what you're talking about is, is like the the last scene the of the like movie. Epilogue, if you will. Yeah. So let talk about the the party. The, the like because this is sort of the it all comes to a head. The party at uh, Hearst Castle. Uh, so Mank shows up to this party, and he is plastered. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on before this, but he is absolutely plastered. Uh, and I think, actually, w- when I look at the timeline, based on what I'm reading here, the party was in 1937. Yep. So this is before he writes the movie. Yeah. This is this is like his improv, like they were in the in the. This is sort of like how it's born, I guess. Right. Maybe. I guess so. Um, he's at this party at Hearst Castle. Walks in, like I said, completely plastered. It's a costume party, uh, and he's not in a costume. Uh, he doesn't get to sit next to Hearst. He has to sit all the way at the end of the table. He tries to like toast, like doing a fork or whatever. Yeah. And then he gets the knife and just, just like breaks, breaks the, glass, the glass. Stands up. It's a great. It's a great scene. And yeah. <coughs> Gary Oldman does a phenomenal. Job Absolutely. It. Yeah. I'm probably not doing it justice. <coughs> this <laughs> is why you should do this sort of thing, and I should just do the color commentary. Um, nah, man. <laughs> this is all you. Uh, and so he stands up and he just starts railing on everyone and yeah. he, he's he's like how about this for a movie and he basically says the plot of of citizen kane and it's obvious that he's alluding to uh hurst william hurst and marion davies lbj and lb you know LBJ. And that's Lyndon b johnson lb lb mayor <laughs> lb mayor yeah and everyone gets offended and starts leaving yep. and then <laughs> When he's done with this movie, he just throws up on I the know. ground, yeah, um, and says uh, the the white wine came out with the fish or something like that, which it apparently is a real quote that he said really? at some point in his life. It was really interesting because when he threw up at a party, because then um, Mayor tells him like you're you know who pays for half your payroll? He does. It's Hearst and Mank does seem like he's like oh shit. He he does sort of seem like that. Well, money know? talks, Hunter. What? Money talks. Yeah, and that's I think that's the whole point of this is like maybe it's a commentary on the fact that like Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. can can you be wealthy and be innocent? There's also you know? now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't think about this while I was watching it, mm-hmm. but at, at earlier parts in the movie, he's talking about like I think his brother is going to get a job working for LB, and he's like I'm only going to make seven hundred and fifty dollars a day. That's half of what you make. And he's like, "Well, you should that's be." That's a ton of money. It's a back then, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a lot that's of money. A, that's a lot of money now. <laughs> now, yeah. Yeah. And um, but Mank says something along the lines of like, "You should be happy to you know have this opportunity and blah 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 blah." Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that the double that he's making, half of it comes from this guy that he pretty much despises. Yeah. Throughout the whole film, because of the political side plot and mm-hmm. the the everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was that. I mean, it was a great scene. Because you have e- even like Marion, who's always sort of been, um, always sort of seen mm-hmm. the best in Mank, and always sort of like, oh, you know, I love him because he's. They have like know. a real relationship in this yeah. m- in this movie. Even she gets she's she's done. She gets up and leaves. Yeah. you know, um, which is interesting because historically they were nothing more than acquaintances based yeah. on like accounts that I read. Really? So yeah, you've done your research. A little bit of research, yeah. like. So Mank had uh, he was acquaintances with both uh, William <coughs> Hurst. I don't know why I can't 
get these names in my brain. I have to look at them on, on my little note sheet every time I say them. William Hurst and Marion Davies, uh, but he wasn't friends with them like he was in this film. You know, he attended parties, but... Mm-hmm. He was one of work work friends, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, probably. But... Um, um, this yeah. is a bit of a uh, left turn, but you mentioned this earlier. I'm mm-hmm. looking through some stuff, because we're getting close to the end, I know. Um, you mentioned RKO 281. Uh, yeah. The fictionalized drama film. Well, let's talk about the end of this movie, and then let's talk about RKO okay, gotcha. 281. Because, at the, I mean, at the end of the... So, Hearst escorts Mank out of the party while telling the little parable about the monkey and the organ grinder. Mm-hmm. Did you get that? <laughs> it took me... I mean, maybe? But it was something along the lines of, like... Let me try and... Yeah. Uh, see if I can figure it out. So, it's he's saying, like, the monkey thinks he has the power. Mm-hmm. Because... He, to him, wherever he goes... he's got the little hat. Yeah, he's he has the hat, and wherever <laughs> he goes, the organ grinder has to come with him. Yeah, right. Um, isn't that? I don't even know what like an organ grinder is. I like how you just agreed with me about the hat. Like, obviously, that's not what oh, the story's yeah, about. Totally. Um, but I think what he's saying is that, like, in reality, um, maybe I'm missing it because I'm trying to think of how he ends it. He says, like, uh, um, if I dance, he has to play, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know. I I kind of took it as like, um, uh, the monkey thinks he has the power, but maybe the organ grinder actually does. Is that what he's getting at? I don't know. I was Be- because <laughs> I'm thinking of like, who is the organ grinder and who's the monkey? Is Mank the monkey? Who Mank, thinks, who Mank think is he, the monkey. Who think he has a he th- who thinks he has the power? Right. But in reality, he he's attached to to, to the organ grinder, which would be Hearst. I guess so. That's kind of how I how I took it. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, they're determined to make the film, uh, and Orson Welles comes and visits Herman. Um. Mank. I don't know why I called him Herman. <laughs> That's his name. It is his name, but we've yeah. been calling him Mank the, the whole time, time, and then I called him Herman, and it like threw me off. Um. So, anyways, uh. They they signed a contract at the beginning of the movie that he was he was not going to get credit yeah. and and the producer John Houseman even says like are you sure you want to you know you can back out now he does tell him he's like I employ you to reconsider yeah, to reconsider yeah. and to either ask for credit or not do this, um, but he is he wants credit now now that he wrote this masterpiece and Orson Welles isn't having it and they have a big kerfuffle and actually he. Orson Welles like breaks all the bottles. Yeah. And uh Mank says, Well, that's how the, the third act should end yeah. is a display of violence, which does happen. I was about to in say Citizen having Kane. just seen Citizen Kane, is yeah. that how it ended? Yeah. So remember when um uh Susan Su- Suzanne, Susan? Yeah, yeah. The the second wife Alexander Kane, whatever. Su- Susan Alexander yeah. Al- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Susan Alexander Kane, when she leaves and he realizes that that he's not getting what he wants, which, you know, Charles Kane always gets what he wants. Um, yeah. Th- he just goes apeshit and mm-hmm. starts breaking everything. The monkey, they're playing the music in the background, but the monkey is just <laughs> breaking everything yeah. in the room. He's not dancing. Yeah. Um, it had nothing to do with anything. Um, but then <laughs> then we f- we fast forward, what, two years? Uh, and we see that they have won. Yeah. 
Yeah, they won uh, the Academy Award for, for best original screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find it interesting. Now we can talk about RKO. Yeah, one last thing though. I find it interesting that they're almost portrayed a little bit as friend. I don't know if friends is, is the right word, but in the like epilogue, when they've won their Oscars, mm-hmm. like Orson says, "Do you have anything to say to Mank?" And he says, "Like you can kiss my half." Mm-hmm. And then Mank says, "I'll I want to make this speech in the same way that the f- that the script was written in the absence of Orson Welles." Yeah. So, so they take jabs. Well, so th- I mean, I don't think that actually happened. Those like speeches well, and everything. No, yeah, no, that. No, um, this is David Fincher trying to assert who should be credited with. In my opinion, this is David yeah. Fincher trying yeah. to assert who should be credited with the success Fair. of uh, Citizen Kane, and it should be which Mank. I disagree with. Okay, I really do. I know in the movie, and again, this is David. Fin- this is David Fincher dialogue because yeah. he's taking these historical events and you know, yep. putting a message in them. Right mm-hmm. earlier in the film, he's saying stuff like, like Mank is writing the film, and he's like, "Look, this is director proof. You know, anyone could do this." Yeah, and so. He's getting it to the point where, like, if a, if a writer is good enough, I feel like one of the messages is, if the script is good enough, it will be a good film. Mm-hmm. But Citizen Kane is not so critically acclaimed just for the story and just for the nonlinear plot. Shots. It's the shots. It is the the creative risks that were taken, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that go into that that were in Orson Welles' control, not Manx. Yeah, and so. Uh, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. Maybe it's even a commentary on that it actually is half. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Because I had that thought of, well, he wrote this. Yeah. But. For sure. A great script, like you said, is not a great movie make. I said it just like that. It sounded good. Anyway. Okay. So real quick, before we wrap it up, what was the RKO? Because this is not the first time that this story's been told. In, well, I guess, sort of. RKO 281, which I haven't seen, you haven't seen. It wasn't precisely this story, but it was very similar. It was made in 1999, uh, directed by Benjamin Ross. It had Liv Schraber in it, James Cromwell, John Malkovich, Melanie Griffith, Roy Schneider, Liam Cunningham. Try not to leave anybody out here. Uh, it was about the troubled, like the 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 contentious production of this film mm-hmm. when William Hurst learned that this film was being created, he wasn't having it. Right. But there are some big differences. Uh, and I think the biggest difference that I want to talk about with this film that overlaps with Mank is the way this story was written. So in RKO 281, both Orson Welles and Mank go to Hurst castle, go to a party. Okay. And, Orson Welles, like, they, they meet William Hurst, and he's, like, this tyrannical, hypocritical guy, like, oh, he's just this awful guy, I guess, right? And so they leave, and, and Welles is like, oh, we should make a movie about his life. And Mank is, like, pretty against it. He's like, the wrath will be bad. Mm-hmm. The wrath. I don't know why. The I ra- well, I mean, that movie, yeah, but I, I get you. This, yeah. this, this super high-up guy. Like, this guy, I mean, in this film, we see him you know, changing the fate of political careers just with, like, a little bit of power that yeah. he actually, like, he flicked his finger and, yep. you know, won an election. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he has a lot of power. Uh, Mank doesn't want to do it. Uh, 
finally Mank agrees and they make the film and blah blah blah. That's that's what the the that movie is about, which is very different than this because in this film, like Orson Welles doesn't even know what movie is going to be made until it's written. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's essentially like, hey, write me a really good script. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Like that's the tone, right? Yeah. He's like contracted almost. Right. I mean, I guess he actually is. Right. So I mean, yeah. Do you have thoughts? I don't know. I think it's I think it's always interesting when Hollywood plays. Uh, with with history, because mm-hmm. it's not abnormal. Sure, you know I think of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, the Queen is a little different. It's not even close in some ways. It's a little to, different to how <laughs> like reality played out. Right. Um, there are big differences there. Very very big differences, and I don't know which one is true. Right. I feel like I'm more inclined to believe Mank for some reason. Okay. Uh, it's less glorifying of the protagonist. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you think it was fictionalized, you might want to make yourself look better. Um, but also, Orson Welles is sort of this, he's sort of this larger-than-life famous director who, from what I've heard of him, him doing it like this when he was younger, being like, you're going to write, write me this script, I'm going to take credit for it. Kind mm-hmm. of, I kind of believe it. I'm not saying that as in he was like being a, a you know jerk about it, but I don't know. I think it's I just think it's interesting. I would be curious to to, to watch more stuff about this production because it is very fascinating. Yeah, and people don't realize how complicated it is to, to get a movie made. Um, but I don't know. I I especially one that's this troubled that went on to be considered one of the greatest films of all time. Right. I don't know. Yeah, faux show. I have a question for you. Yeah. What's our timestamp at? Uh, We're at an hour and 15. Okay. Real quick, Mm -hmm. you were watching this movie and you texted me and you said that you were in awe of the way that this film was filmed. Do you want to... Yeah, no, I just like in the first probably 30 or 40 minutes, I kept rewinding stuff because it was so well done. Yeah. Not so much because of the dialogue or because of the scene, but because I was like, man, they really captured what these films felt like. Mm-hmm. Like the music, the way, I mean, just like how the, f- the framing, the shots, how yeah. long the shots lingered on somebody. Right. Even like there were shots that were obvious green screen that looked like it was an old green screen. Right. You know, um, it was there just were, really well done. There were points where they, they were like leaving the Hearst Castle and it looks like the castle on the hill yeah. from Citizen Kane. Yeah, like they might have. They might have used it. Like yeah, but <laughs> they might have put it on, I'm on like the green screen in the background. Like right? even like when he's driving in the car, when that dude's asking about the girl who loves him. Whatever, yeah, like, obvious green and, screen. And they like turn the mm-hmm. way that it turns is how it would look in the 40s. Um, a student of film made this film. Yeah, and just like the audio sounds a little tin canny because it would have been. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that stuff. I think that stuff's really cool, and that goes to show the prowess of the editing team, the sound designers, the the shot the cinematographer without sacrificing and, and quality. Fincher. Yeah, I mean it it's not like to take a subtle jab at a movie that I like fine mm-hmm. uh one Roman 84 that maybe was supposed to harken <laughs> back to the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Yeah. And it did it in a way that worked sometimes it also kind of brought the quality of the film down. Could have used a little bit of polish. Yeah. This one, I don't think, did that as much. Right. Um, so I don't know. I I just 
kept finding myself rewinding the film to like watch visual things and audio things, not so much story things. Mm -hmm. So that's, to me, that's the best part of this movie. Okay. Yeah. So for you, this movie is a technical masterpiece Mm -hmm. and the story is fine. Interesting, but not it gets captivating. It didn't, it took a while for me to kind of be sucked into it. Okay. Um, it's interesting, but I'm already interested in the subject. Sure. I don't know if I would have been like. It's not interesting of its own. Maybe like not, it yeah. didn't. It didn't. This movie within itself mm-hmm. wouldn't have drawn you in. Maybe not. It was, you know, the lore surrounding this. Yeah. The fact that you've seen Citizen Kane mm-hmm. and the fact that you enjoy film yep. and filmmaking. Yes. That drew you into this movie. So there was an external. Like motivation to yeah. watch this, yeah. Versus like, Sound of Metal. I had no idea what I was getting into when I started. I mean, I had you know a very brief yeah. idea, but I was. I mean, five minutes. I was in, and I was drawn in, hook, line, and sinker. Yep. <laughs> I would say that's the that's uh, because we'll probably try and give our prediction when we finish the Oscar stuff. Yeah. So far, Sound of Metal is in. Although I do, I actually think I heard that Mank has the most nominations of any movie this year. Yeah, it has nine nominations, but think about how many different categories there are. True, you because know, when you come to cinematography, those kind sound. of things, I totally agree with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the for the technical aspects of this film, I think that this wonderful. film should should win. Yeah. Uh, if we're if we're creating a hierarchy here, I would for me, and then we can get to like rating and is this movie good? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that Sound of Metal is above this movie. Yeah, for for my experience in watching it, and and the value that I'm going to take out of it, <coughs> uh, what do you think? Yeah, I would say this is definitely in second place to ma- to uh, Sound of Metal. Uh, kind of the same things. Sound of Metal just emotionally was amazing to mm-hmm. me. This movie that didn't get a huge emotional reaction to, um, and the accuracy of. The aesthetic is great. I just think the story for me lacked a little bit. So okay. it's definitely in second place for me so far. Okay. Maybe not lacked, but the presentation of it to me, I wasn't absolutely crazy about. Okay. So, Hunter, I have a question. Yes. What is it good? Yes. Would you care to elaborate? It is. It Look, make no mistake, this is a very good movie. Yeah. In a lot of different ways. Some ways better than others. Okay. If I had to, I'm looking at the Rotten Tomatoes page right now. We have an 83% certified fresh mm-hmm. um, and an audience score of 61%. Okay. I get and understand those ratings, and I agree with them for the most part. The Both the 88 and the 60? Yeah, I would say as or an 80, audience member, if I had to give my audience score, I'd probably give it a 75. So okay. not quite as low as 61. Yeah. Um, but I think overall, around the low to mid '80s is probably accurate for me. Yeah. On a whole, because as an audience member, I liked it, but as a film fan, I really, really, really respect it and enjoy it. So that bumps up a little bit. So I would say I agree with it 83%. Okay. I also, in hindsight, agree with Sound of Metal's 97. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because to me, the sure. the emotional impact is more important to me. For sure. What, how about you? I this is a good movie. Yeah. It's it's I mean <clears throat> Sound of Metal was better for me personally. It's difficult for this movie to stand out on its own 
when it is based on arguably the the best film that's ever been created. Yeah. Like when you base your film off of the making of the best film ever created, how is your film gonna like stack up? How could it? Yeah. Is it possible for? <laughs> You're just looking at Whiskey's butt, weren't you? Well, her butt is just like right up. <laughs> it's just pointing directly at me. Uh, it's not like I was like, oh, let me lift that tail. And <laughs> no, I was scratching her. I was scratching her back, and and she, and she just there's a butt. Like that. <laughs> it's just <laughs> doing it again. I'm not looking this time. Oh, whiskey. Um, whiskey shots. Whiskey, whiskey shots. <laughs> does whatever a whiskey <laughs> cat does. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, I would agree with you. Um, so it's it, this film from the beginning puts itself in a, a difficult position, I think. Whiskey's yeah. chewing on the mic stand. She's just going crazy right now. Um, I would agree with that. I, 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 I definitely think it's sort of like, have you seen Tenacious D? <laughs> The movie? Yeah. No, but what? <laughs> Please Sorry, go on. With Jack Black and I forget the other. Yeah, I know. Name. I know. I've mean, I've listened to their music. They get captured by Satan or something, and they have to play the greatest song ever written. Yeah. To escape. Sounds awesome. And then later they're trying to record it and and remember and they and they write a song called Tribute. Mm-hmm. And it's about how this is not actually the greatest song in the world. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've just, heard the music. Just, I just haven't seen yeah, the movie. It's yeah, just, yeah. just a tribute. So this is sort of like that in a more serious sense. Where it's this is not the greatest movie in the world. This is just a this tribute. This is just a tribute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Long yeah. time ago, me and my buddy Orson here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, you got anything else? I mean, uh, how are we going to wrap it up? Well, so Monday we will be releasing our review mm, of Minari. Minari. I'm really excited about that movie. Yeah, I'm it's really got excited about it's that. got uh, Glenn from The Walking Dead. Yeah, I can't Steven, think of his name. Stephen Yoon or something like that. Okay, keep talking, and I'm gonna look it up so that okay. we don't just like say or something like that. No, we get this yeah, guy's sorry. name. Uh, <clears throat> but yes, yeah, so we're doing uh, Minari on Monday. Do you know what next Friday is? Oh no, it's okay. No, what's his name? Well, now I'm thinking. See, you asked me a question <laughs> sorry, while, sorry, I was, sorry. while I was pursuing the answer to a question. So now. My ADD, I'm trying to answer two questions at once. Minari is... Steven Yoon. I was right. Cool. Um, cool, yeah. No, I uh, I enjoyed Mank. I'm excited for Minari. Um, Mank is the lowest rated one of the Best Picture nominees. Mm-hmm. So, But it, it kind of makes sense because yeah, this, totally. if we were rating these films on uh, like technical expertise and you know doing their homework... I mean, this film's in num- the number one slot for me right now. Yeah, it's as far as like overall impact and and it's number two. Yeah, it's number two right now. Two out, two. out of two. Two out of two. <laughs> so it's in la- it's in first place in one category and last, and last place, place in the other. In the other. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see how it stacks up. You know. I'm excited though. I'm excited. I've really enjoyed this this series so far. So to recap our schedule, we are going to be doing Minari on Monday. Mm-hmm. April 5th. Promising Young Woman on Friday, April 9th. Yep. The Father is going to be that following Monday, April 12th. Judas and the Black Messiah, Friday, April 16th. Trial of the Chicago 7 will be Monday, April 19th. And then the Friday right before the Oscars is going to be Nomadland. I'm ready. So, yeah. Me too. I'm excited. This is great. I'm loving this. Good deal. All right, cool. You got anything else? Any any last minute things you want to take it home? Or you want me to do the since you led this episode. My last minute thing is that I plan to go to Taco Bell after oh, this. Oh, I knew it! I knew you were going to go to Taco Bell after this. <laughs> That's what I do after we record. Not a sponsor, but I would love it. Please, <laughs> please, Taco Bell. I'm not a Taco Bell fan. 
Well, I'll go. I'll go with Hannah, and then okay. you, can, you, can, <laughs> yeah. you can stay here with little Herman. You guys enjoy this. His name's not gonna be Herman. Anyway, cool. Um, all right. So if you guys uh, want to reach out to us, we did have an email actually said that we should do an episode on Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps we will. Yeah. I didn't. I need to watch it again before we do. So that one now. of our fans. Yeah. Watched Mank and said you should review Citizen Kane. That would be a big undertaking because yeah, that's a, it's I a mean, lot. Yeah. Rosebud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the snow globe just falls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, if you want to reach out to us, have a suggestion, have a question, anything at all, you can email me at, email us, sorry, at podcast at gmail.com. You can find Zach on Twitter at podcast. And then uh, Instagram is Bud is a Good Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, we're currently sitting at five stars on Apple Podcasts. There you go. So you guys, please subscribe, review us, uh, leave a comment. Um, Hit that like button, subscribe. Yes, follow on Spotify, whatever you want to do. and uh, Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell everyone you know. Like I said, uh, it was either in the intro episode or episode one. Yeah. If you tell everyone you know about our podcast and get them to listen to an episode, they're going to love it. They're going to subscribe. Yep. And then they tell, And then they tell everyone they know. It's only going to be a, a matter of weeks in the entire population of the world. <laughs> I mean, Elon Musk is going to put, like, Wi-Fi balloons yep. in the atmosphere. So, like, everyone, everywhere. Just broadcast it. Yeah, everyone, everywhere can will be able to listen to it, and mm-hmm. the entire world will be subscribed. Yep. We'll all be one big happy family, yep. and maybe we'll change the zeitgeist. Brilliant. So, with that, we're going to Taco Bell. <laughs> all right, guys. See you.